Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. Some quick housekeeping and updates before we get into today's episode. I have a very big announcement that I made on my Instagram a couple months back, but I'm finally ready to announce it here on my podcast as well. I recently started a company about four or five months back called Lynx, L-Y-N-X, that will be a mobile platform that will revolutionize the way that we meet people IRL in real life. I can't wait to share more updates as we continue to build the platform out. But if you're listening right now, the biggest thing that you can do for me is to go sign up to our waitlist at linkstonight.app. That's L-Y-N-X tonight.app. The waitlist takes literally 20 seconds and you'll be updated when we have some major news. So please do me a favor, do that super quickly and it would mean the absolute world. Other than that, as always, please follow me on Instagram at Felix.Levine, my YouTube channel. Search my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube. You find all video versions of every podcast there. And let's get into today's episode. And my guest today, he's an amazing entrepreneur. He formerly worked as a high-level executive at Tinder and now is the CEO of Built Rewards. Please welcome the charismatic and brilliant Encore Jane. And we're live. Ankur, thank you uh, so much for, for taking the time today. Of course, man. It's good I'm to see you. It's good to see you because the first time we saw each other was very brief. Um, yes. <laughs> a very special evening. Um, but I'm really happy that I, that I have you on my show and I've been looking forward to it. Looking forward to it too. So I told you a few seconds ago. Is it a little tidbit, a little story, a little something the world doesn't know about you from what's already out there? So it's funny. The way you and I met this is probably not even going to sound like a surprise to you. But most people don't realize so Felix and I, we, we met at a dinner with Dr. Zahi Hawass to, to talk about the ancient pyramids. And like it was a week before I think his new Netflix show came out about the Lost Pyramid. And it was the most eclectic group, right? It was you, Dr. Zahi. I remember Martha Stewart came with like her photos, her albums of her trip to Egypt from like 15 years ago. Printed out photos of the pyramids. Uh, but what most people don't realize probably about me is, you know, in addition to my obsession for space and just doing cool exploration, I have always been a history nerd. Okay. And it started off as a little kid. My grandpa, when he would come visit me from India, would bring me like every trip once a year, some ancient coin. And I would sit there and I would learn about which empire it came from. And it was this cool bonding thing we did. And I remember one year I was like, well, do you ever have like a Julius Caesar coin? <laughs> and it just started this new thing where throughout the years, my dad, my grandpa and I started building what's now the largest private ancient gold coin collection in the world. And so it's been this fascinating, fun collector's hobby, if you will. But just getting to study the rise and fall of empires over thousands of years and and it's been pretty fun, but that's something I don't think anybody actually knows. Is there a, uh, is there a specific empire that's touched you or that you think about? I, I am such a fascinated, I'm so fed by Alexander the Great and the Macedonian Empire. I mean, okay. to have someone who, by the way, like I'm 33 now, yeah. <laughs> was, by the age of 26, this guy had conquered the world <laughs> yeah. in a time where you were riding horses to, from continent to continent, but the way that he would run the empire, I mean, it's a case study in modern management and leadership. I mean, you don't have telephones back then and you're managing an empire that spanned the globe, right? I mean, at least that point, yeah. what they perceived to be the, the globe. 
And it was amazing how they could keep local traditions, how they could manage it from afar, appoint people. It's it's honestly fascinating. And it's unfortunate, obviously, he died early. But it's um, very cool to, like, hold some of these Alexander the Great coins and just, you know, think about. What year? How old were those? some of those coins? Thousands of years old. I mean, you're talking. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be couple thousand now it's it's insane i mean we kept any uh, i mean not here in new york yeah. <laughs> but we have it all like obviously on display in a, in a secure area yeah it's um it's a fun little fun tidbit well it's funny that you say that too because one of the things that i picked up on in a lot of your past interviews was the word relentless and I think Alexander the Great was likely very relentless. I don't know if I'll compare myself to Alexander the <laughs> Great. He's <laughs> different level. Okay. But I wanted to, to first kind of pick your brain on what it means for you to be relentless. Obviously, whether it's your grandfather, your father, um, that you speak of and using that word. Uh, where do you see relentless as a, a character trait that you've kind of adopted yourself? So remind me, Felix, are you... Parents or any immigrants? So my mom is, I'm half French. Okay. So she came here as an immigrant about 25, 23, 25 years ago. So So she moved here, first generation. Yes. So Barely spoke the language. You've probably seen a little bit of this in your home. I mean, there is something about watching your parents or grandparents as immigrants to a new country that just puts everything into perspective. And, you know, so my dad grew up in a poor village in India. You know, the idea of leaving the town, much less the country, mm-hmm. was a crazy thought, right? And you know, when he came to this country, it's like one of these stories you hear all the time. I mean, he, he, I, I don't even know how they did it. I mean, he came here knowing nobody with like $10 in yeah, his pocket yeah. and, a, and a job that can pay the rent and that's it, right? right? And so, you know, you wonder like, how do you go from that to being able to pursue the American dream, go from one city to another, build a company and grow. I mean, you watch that firsthand Mm -hmm. and it makes you appreciate just how lucky and how fragile things are. And that fight to survive, you know, obviously in a different form today, but that need to just go is something you hope you can carry on for generations. When do you think you first understood that idea or that concept? I mean, it's, it's almost like you don't realize how lucky you were to have that in your household until right. you're older and you look right. back and everything that annoys you as a little yeah. kid of like, <laughs> well, why can't we go? All my right. friends get to do this yeah. or why can't we do this? All my friends get to go there. It, it's annoying at the time, but when you see the length and extent that often immigrants will go to to provide for their family, it it's a changing mindset, right? And then you realize that, by the way, if he could make it from a village in India right. to building a large company in the U.S., then what's to stop any of us from being able to accomplish incredible things, being lucky enough to be born here with the opportunity to go to school and learn and, and learn some of these skills. Now, that said, I do think it's getting harder and harder just given how expensive and difficult yeah. it is to now access student loans and rent right. and all these exactly. things. But it is a really inspiring concept to see how many people look at CEO of Microsoft, CEO of Google. They're all immigrants who came to this country and did the same thing. Do you think uh, there's something innately like do you think that relentlessness and, and I guess that kind of perseverance at that level is something that can be taught or it's naturally it has to come from somewhere far deeper or from your I background? I mean, yes, it can be taught. <laughs> uh, 
hopefully hopefully you can learn it without feeling the need for survival. Right. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, like everything is possible. Right. It's just a matter of understanding how to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I think that's probably, you know, there's persistence, but then there's also banging your head against the wall right. and not looking <laughs> twice. And so I think the real question is if you can understand where it is you're trying to go, right? I think so many people are taught in schools, especially here, to set goals. I am such an anti-goal-setting goal type person because all you're doing is setting yourself up to fail. Right. You set a goal, you've defined the one metric you define success by, not the why, right? And the reality is in anything you've done, I mean, I'm sure this podcast has evolved yeah. and changed so many times. Imagine if you were laser-focused on the goal you set five years ago as the only North Star metric, like you would have never been able to take advantage of those opportunities to keep going forward. Right? What is your biggest metric of, of success then? I mean, it, it's, it's not a single metric, right? It's a journey. And for me, you look at things that are broken and you say, how can you keep improving and fixing it to improve the service for myself, our friends, like people around the world? I mean, that is... That is something that's taken its form and everything from dating apps yeah. through to housing affordability, right? And I think that why you do things is so important and it's not really about the KPI or metric. Have you always um, been able and and gone after understanding the why or did it take some time to to realize what what or sure. what, no, what, what your purpose was? <laughs> I, I think, uh, so you're doing a startup now, like, one of the mistakes I think I made on my early startups is you're taught to you build, start, a, start a company, come up with a big idea, go raise money from venture capitalists. Right. That was the worst decision <laughs> I've ever made. When I, when I look at my first company and thought it was a badge of honor to have raised money from venture capitalists, yeah. I mean, it just sets you up to all the wrong things. All of a sudden you are chasing not just like made up metrics, but buzzy metrics that a venture capitalist thinks are important to get a markup on your fo right. your company so that they can raise their next. I mean, the incentives are just so out of line. And all of a sudden you're on this rat race chasing artificial growth for a right. company that doesn't actually solve the real underlying problem. Right. Um, I learned that the hard way. I mean, my first company, we had a bunch of venture capitalists coming in telling us it was all about user growth. This is back in like the, original, the app days, right? Yep. And it was like, no one cared about revenue. No one cared about the type of core problem you were solving in the ecosystem you were building it in. It was user growth. Well, I heard you talk about that in, uh, in an interview with, I think, the host Erica something. Oh, she Culver. was great. Yeah. 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 Um, and I really like that. I think specifically if we're going into to more of like the, the startup world is I think your main thesis, correct me if I'm wrong, is about really raising when you need to and being as scrappy as possible for as long as possible. I would say that people forget raising money is giving up ownership in your company. Right. Right. So raising money is giving away your blood, sweat, and tears to somebody. And I would ask every single time, is the person who you are taking money from, is the person who you are giving a piece of your company who will, by the way, reap the benefits of your hard work right. for the next 10 years, <laughs> yeah. whether or not they ever pick up the phone, yeah. <laughs> right? Are they the kind of strategic partner who will help you make the pie bigger? Right. Right. And look, you're not always at liberty to be able to raise from people like that because sometimes you just need money. But where you can, 
asking yourself, is this the type of person I want as a business partner is more important than what's the valuation they're going to give you or what's the money. And, and candidly, I'm not sure how many venture capitalists are actually that value at. <laughs> right. Do you, when you're having these kinds of uh, mental gymnastics, if you will, or, or, or thinking these, especially when it comes to raising yeah. um, the raising side through, who do you turn to the most? Is it internally your team? Is it advisors? Everybody, everybody, you know, like, and I think you'll find this too, is like there's two schools of thought. Some people believe in the keep things stealthy, figure it out and then reveal to the world. I'm like more of a micro constant feedback guy. Okay. Um, and so every idea, like now that you, now that you and I are friends, you're probably unfortunately going to be on the receiving end of like <laughs> a text a week of like, what do you think of this idea? Love Here's it. a screenshot. <laughs> and like the first batch will get the worst idea and then it'll iterate a little bit and the next batch of friends gets the next idea. And so I honestly feel like the best way to think through things, at least for me, is talk it through with as many smart people as you can. It doesn't even matter if they're, in fact, sometimes it's better if they're not in your world. Right, right. Because the outside perspective. I mean, listen. Today I run a company called Build. Yeah, this is also a story I've never told, but <laughs> maybe it. maybe my fiance will kill me for this. But on one of our first dates, we were early in our days at Built. We had spent the last like three months or so coming up with a name. Okay, what's the name of this company going to be? At the time, fintechs were doing a lot of these like first name like Dave, Marcus, whatever. Right. So we're like, okay, let's come up with a short name that's easy to spell. Mm -hmm. People will remember it. And our CMO was like, well, I was always think you might name my kid Theo. Okay. And I was like, that's actually a good name. It's yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> memorable, simple. Right. So we had decided to call the company Theo, mocked up our first designs of our loyalty program, our new credit card. And I happened to be on this one of my early dates with Erica. And I was so excited <laughs> to tell her about the big breakthrough we had. And I pulled it out. I was like, check it out. The prototype designs for Theo. And she looks at me and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> she goes, what date is number that? is this? This was uh, probably second or third day. Oh, wow. Like, she looked at me and she goes, you're naming your company after like a boy or a girl? Or like, what is Theo? Like, I don't understand. And I was, I remember I texted the team. I go, guys, I think we screwed up. <laughs> you know, and it's sometimes so helpful to just get that raw, unfiltered feedback. Not the, not the investor who's trying right. to like, tell you what you want to hear or be the tough guy in the room. Like, you want to just talk to real people. How do you, how have you navigated over the years as, you know, your success, your personal success has grown, navigating the relationships that are authentic from the ones that it's people and for lack of a better word, leeches that are trying to, to gain something from you? I mean, I guess maybe this is good or bad. I mean, we just... There's very few people who can be, like, you know, who are, you can never create new childhood friends. Right. Right. You can never create new college friends. Um, I have to tell you that if you look at the circle of friends that we have today, it's amazing and it's kind of scary that I can say for most of them, it already goes back 10, 15 wow. plus years. And it's, what's amazing is that you meet amazing new people all the time. Mm -hmm. But every now and then you meet someone where it just clicks and right. you, and you kind of just yeah. know. And when that happens, you keep them close and you introduce them to your whole friend yeah. group. And that's how our group has grown over time. But also like a big part of how we, I think about life is I don't separate work and person. Like I don't believe in that, right? I mean, 
if I'm going to spend 18 hours a day working on something, yeah. <laughs> it better be like something I love doing and more importantly, with people I love. And so you even look at Built, it's some of my best friends since like, we were 18 years old. Wow. Um, and by the way, it's funny. I was talking about some, some, some of our team the other day, like our head of product marketing, I met in college, we reconnected 10 years later. Our head of product worked for me right out of college, went off to China, started a company, came back, and we're now working together again. You know, our head of growth, I met studying abroad in college. Wow. <laughs> worked together at Tinder. He moved back from London to come work on this company together. And so there's something about just when you find good people, you hold on to them. Uh, what, do you, what do you feel like as, um, you know, the leader, one of the leaders, let's take specifically at, at Built, for example, where do you feel like you're, you're strongest in terms of leadership and, and how do you do your own kind of internal assessments at what you're good at and what you're not good at? So it's very important as a CEO to understand if you're a better leader or a better manager. Okay. I am not a great manager. I'm a better leader. Define what those are for, for in your eyes. And I think it's really important. I'm the kind of person who likes to get my hands dirty to go figure out how to get something done okay. and lead by example and go get it done with the team. Okay. Right? But it is equally important as you grow a company to have great managers who can actually help grow and develop the teams around them Think about the process and the structure that allows for scale. And I think misunderstanding which one you're better at is a dangerous thing you see in a lot of founder CEOs. Okay. And so we're very lucky. Like my executive team are some of the best managers I've ever worked with. Right. And what that allows me to do is take the kind of current highest priority item at the company, two or three of them, and go deep with the team and actually solve it and lead them into figuring out how to get it done and work across departments to do that, right? But I couldn't do that if I didn't have a really incredible executive management team to still manage the company and take things that are from zero to one and just keep it operating. I'm curious too, like when, when you take something like Built or any other of your previous projects or companies, What's your your own kind of personal process in understanding what problems you're solving? Like, do you do you specifically kind of sit and think <laughs> about what are some of the different problems you feel like you can solve, or is it via yeah, conversation? Usually, it's because someone tells you something really dumb and you get frustrated by it, and then you want to change or fix it. Okay, so right? give me an example. So it's like you move. I, I, worked at a company called Rhino for a long time right. to try to tackle security deposits. I cannot tell you how frustrated I was when I moved to New York and the apartment building I was moving into wanted thousands of dollars <laughs> yeah, in yeah. security deposit. Yeah. Like I have good credit. Yeah. I have no history of like defaulting on rent. I, you know, why do you need me to pay you rent first month rent, last month yeah. rent and pay you a deposit? Like it just makes no sense, right? And so often it's moments like that which I think for all of us, it's that frustrating yeah. moment. And then you got to sleep on it and see how annoyed you still are <laughs> with it the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I tell you, one of the best pieces of advice a friend gave me a couple years ago was, he goes, after you sleep on an idea, when you wake up the next morning, right. ask yourself, could you live in a world where this idea doesn't exist anymore? 
Mm. And if the answer is yes, don't waste your time starting a company to do it, <laughs> right? right? You need to wake up and once you realize there's a better way to do it, be so frustrated every single day that it doesn't <laughs> exist that you will not stop in making it a reality. So, and so you got that feeling when it came to, to built. There's nothing more annoying to me than paying rent every single month right. and having nothing to show for it. <laughs> now, what I think is also interesting is in, in a different interview, um, you spoke about you know, the, the power of equity um, for individuals, right? In terms yep. of building wealth. Um, and so I'm curious how you find that built, because built is, you know, primarily for putting your rent onto a credit card. Sort of, no. Built is about getting rewarded on rent. Okay. And so we run today, think of it like, you know, Delta Sky Miles yes. or Marriott Bonvoy. So we run the largest loyalty program that rewards people on rent across the country. Okay. So there are 3 million homes across the country where you pay rent with built by ACH, by debit card, credit right, card, right, whatever right. it is. You earn rewards, you build your credit, you get closer to home ownership. And then we said, but wait, there's 100 million renters in the country. We have 3 million homes. Let's open this up. And so we created a best-in-class card program okay. like uh, Chase Sapphire. I see. Where you can also earn points on rent to the card at any apartment without the transaction fee. Um, and so all of a sudden, you have millions of people who your biggest expense every month is actually the key to getting free travel around the world. It's the key to building your credit history. It's the key to buying a home one day. And, and how do you kind of, in, at the same time while you know, building built, uh, kind of teach the financial literacy that I think it takes to understand how powerful what built is doing. I mean, I don't think is. it takes, I don't, I don't think there's anyone that you and I will meet who loves paying rent. Right? <laughs> no, I think, so that, <laughs> I think there's about zero people combined between the two. So of like us. <laughs> you, so you start off and you say your biggest expense every month, we're going to give you something back for it. Right. right. That's something people can immediately wrap their heads around. We're not here to lecture people on home ownership or financial literacy. Okay. Let me give you something back. And by the way, just by doing what you're already doing, did you know that we're also building your credit? Right. And now you're like, well, that's cool, but what does that mean? Right. Well, actually, by building your credit, we can help you qualify one day to buy a home at a way cheaper rate. I see. You don't have to do anything different. So that's you how they all kind of doing. work in tangent. 100%. Like, so, so it's basically, I mean, and that's what I think I really loved in listening to to you speak about it is is using something that people that are in in a certain point in their life if if they're renting and yeah. they one day want to buy uh, you know own is you're helping them get there and rewarding them on the way. Yeah, look, my perspective on this is things are so busy and difficult and expensive right. as it is for this generation. I mean, I don't know when people are supposed to have time. People love to lecture you on, are you saving enough? Are you doing this right? Are you building your credit? Like, yeah. And by the way, if you want to build your credit, you need to open credit, but you can't open credit. Yeah. You don't have <laughs> credit. credit. I mean, the whole <laughs> thing is like thing. such a damn mess, yeah. <laughs> right? And we said, hold on a second. What if just doing what you already do? You pay your rent, yeah. right? You're out there getting groceries. You're out there dining at some local restaurant. What if just those actions are actually the things that set you up for the success you want, whether that's right. to build your credit history or to get that free trip to Europe or to visit your grandparents or to buy a home one day? 
And you know what? Sometimes the simplest concept like that is the hardest to pull together. But that's, I think, what works. Right. And why do you think something like built hadn't been? It's so. If you had told before. me how difficult this was going to be up front, I just don't know. If, I'm a delusional person. I don't know if I could have done it. <laughs> it is. What What were say the the top three biggest obstacles? Like every part of this. I mean, <laughs> when we went out. I'll give you the most silly example. You would think that the idea of saying paying your rent should build your credit. Right. That the idea that saying, hey, if you pay your rent and you get rewards, just like you can use it on travel and flights, hey, look, if you want to buy a home, you should be able to use it on buying a home. Right. I thought that was a no-brainer. 12 months into working on this company, okay, 12 months, I get a call from our lawyers that go, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so we were with our specialty team and turns out that using points for a down payment may not be allowed. I go, what do you mean it may not be allowed? What do you mean you fucking just figured this out? Like nuts. <laughs> 12 months we've been working on this and this is the first time you're telling me this. And so we had a choice. Like at that point, the regulations were unclear and had been defined in a uh -huh. way that points were not listed as a eligible use of funds for right. down payment. So now we have two choices. You can change the product vision and say, forget about the home ownership part, or we can go try to change the rules, right? right? And I think for, for better or for worse, we chose to go pick the fight and spent 18 months with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA. <laughs> At one point we had three White House cabinet members that we were pitching trying to get support wow. for this project. And eventually in October, 2019, we got it done. I mean, we got the clarification from all the regulatory agencies that yes, we can use the built rewards points to buy a home with FHA, Fannie, or Freddie. Um, but it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was like, nothing's ever easy. What do you feel like, yeah. specifically, I'll ask you this first, with yeah. Built, what do you feel like is your proudest moment so far? So there, I think across the board for any entrepreneur, there's nothing more gratifying than being out and seeing someone you don't know use your product, use and talk yeah, about your yeah. product. I mean, it is. <laughs> I remember when I was running Tinder's product, I'll never forget, I was in Buenos Aires, like this is probably 2015 or so. And I'm sitting in the cab and the guy overhears me talking about Tinder on one of the business calls. And within 30 seconds, the guy is launching at me with product feedback. <laughs> he had used it this night and he met up with a girl and this happened and that happened. And, this. and, when, and the fact that you know that the decisions you're making can help right. change, like just the, even just the fact that it impacts people all over the mm -hmm. world is one of the coolest feelings in the world. And it's a big opportunity, right? And responsibility. And so for me, when, when the first time I went out and I was actually with my fiance at dinner, and we overheard the table next to us talking about built. <laughs> it was just such a cool feeling. Did you stop them? No, I totally did. I, I waited for them to talk. <laughs> asked, I did the awkward, like, oh, like, tell me more about this. Like, <laughs> and then I put them in touch with our team and we gave them a bunch of bonus points oh, in the super house. Cool. And it's, uh, but that's the exciting, exciting thing. And it's, by the way, it's hard. Right. It's hard to get a product launched, it's hard to get it off the ground. Yeah. It's really hard to get people to love a product enough to talk about it. So like, when you feel like you finally hit that 
point in the company evolution, there's something so gratifying about it. It makes it all worth it. So I'm also, I want to pick your brain about this. I watched um, you and your dad in a, uh, I think it was a keynote speech a while ago. Okay. Um, which was really cool for me to see, you know, you see the two generations, the two um, different points in in their lives, both entrepreneurs. He said something that, that stood out to me and, and I'm curious how it's manifested. He said, forgive me if, if it's not perfectly quoted, but something in the realm of, you know, a father's love or a parental love is unconditional, but something with regards to the approval is something that you always kind of, as a child, have to seek or will seek. Interesting. I don't remember him saying that, but that sounds like something you would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, you know, obviously uh, your dad is highly successful. What that's been like to, if if searching for approval is how, how the dynamic is, um, you know, you and him, when it comes to the entrepreneurial discussions, um, and if you feel like you've gotten his approval yet yeah. up until so, this point. I'll tell you, there is the best thing about the way that are, you know, both of my parents treated my brother, sister, and I. And by the way, like my sister is a- I heard she's, way, she's the golden child. Way crazy rock star. My little brother is even more like, I'm just trying to catch up to these guys. <laughs> they, the, the, the key though was it actually was- an environment where that was never the driving factor. Everything revolved around how he could set the kids up and how my mom could set the kids up. And I think it was a little bit of an immigrant mentality right. there where every opportunity that we wanted to try to do to learn, it didn't matter if they, you know, when they had no money to when they did, it was about if there was an educational opportunity, if there was a chance to give us, a, you know, even at their own sacrifice to put us in front of a door, there was there wasn't even a question about it, mm. right? And so it was never about proving to them that we could do or not do. It was almost more about doing right by the opportunity that we saw them fighting to create for us, and that mm. was a different type of pressure, right? Right. Um, but it really does give you this unique mindset of like you have this opportunity, you're lucky enough to have this opportunity. What are you going to do with it? Right? And I've never fully understood. I have friends whose parents have been successful and they're like, well, you're going to start from the bottom and figure it out on your own. And I think it, you know, I get what they're trying to accomplish. Right. right. right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in some ways you work so hard to yeah. create for your family that you want to give them every opportunity, but you obviously they need to be taking advantage of that. And so I almost feel like sometimes it's a, it's irresponsible for any of us, no matter where you are. It doesn't come from like wealth or anything. If you, even just being born in this country right. and having access having to stuff. I mean, you got think about how many people don't have that opportunity. I know. Right, it's the majority of the world. Right, and it just like that's the thing. I'm not. I'm not a huge person for like the handout type culture, but I am a big believer in access to opportunity. And and I think what what I admire about you and in, in listening to you and and getting to know you a little bit is. I think that the way that you identify opportunity at every level, whether it's personal or professional, is something that um, I I think indirectly have just learned from, you know, quickly. And I'm curious for for someone who's listening who feels like either opportunities have been squandered or that they're 
unable to identify when an opportunity is presenting itself. Because I think that some people, and I know people that are extremely talented, yep. that might face this problem. What do you kind of suggest, if you will, into identifying opportunities so, when they're in front of you? Well, every moment is an opportunity. Right. Right. So remind me, how did you meet Serena? She was sitting right where you were. Right. So think about that. You could have had that interview, walked away. Yeah. Nothing different. You took it as an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> she, hey, she took it too. She, she, she'll listen to this. And, <laughs> but, you know, I think if you, if you think about how often in your life something seemingly so insignificant, yeah. a chance encounter, a drink at the bar, a funny banter you have with a, someone in an Uber ride yeah. can totally change your life, right? That, I mean, my one of my best friends who I still work with today we literally met because somebody that I met in New York who I barely spoke to heard that I was studying abroad and connected me to him as someone who could show me around. And it, it's just these random little moments that totally change your life. And then you look back and you wonder how many little moments yeah. did you ignore right. that could have also changed your life? Well, I also kind of see it as it's, it's a percentage game. You know, like everything is a percentage game, really. And and I think the more opportunities you put yourself in, yeah, some shit's gonna hit. That's totally <laughs> that's basically yeah. what I think entrepreneurship is in general. Yeah. And and I think is very applicable to what you're saying. It's also a mindset thing, right? I right. mean, if you look at every single thing that happens is is there's some people that like to say things happen for a reason. Right. I don't know I don't know where I fall on that spectrum to be honest, but it's more if you ask yourself what reason could this have happened for, it's amazing how many opportunities you can come up with. Right. Right. I mean, if you look at any encounter, anything you read about, anything you see and say, I wonder what that could have meant for me. <laughs> right. You suddenly start to think about right. all these opportunities. It's just a mindset change. And all of a sudden you might go, you're right. Ten of them might be a dead end road. Yeah. But you learn something new while doing it. Exactly. And then the next time you're a little more prepared. And you get that big home run. But I think it also comes from a mindset. And and I think what I also admire about you is this kind of like eternal optimism, right? And I don't know if you, I don't know if you kind of describe yourself as an eternal optimist. I think it's a self, it's a, it's, what's that phrase where it's, uh, you have a belief in your ability to actually create outcomes. I don't know if it's optimistic or not, but I have a confidence. <laughs> I think you have to be delusional enough to believe you could influence the outcome. Delusionally confident. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think my fiance would just say delusional, <laughs> but like it's, you know, you have to be, you have to be willing to believe. And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meets. They just recently revamped their website, so everything that I'm about to tell you can be found at their all new and improved uswellnessmeets.com website. At uswellnessmeets.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeets.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves. And now they've introduced a subscription 
food delivery service, and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month, and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. Where where is the delusion? Where does the delusional confidence come from, though? If you had I mean, everything, can be there's always a way, right? It's, and this goes back to if you don't set these goals, there's no concept of failure, right? Right. And if you get rid of that idea of failure, and you say everything is just a stepping stone or a pivot, or yeah, or pivot on to figuring it out. Right. Even pivot, though, I struggle with the word a little bit because pivot implies a lateral move. I see. And I do think I not I know, not to get too like <laughs> metaphorical, but I do think these are more stepping stones. They they move you forward, mm. right? And the, and like it, you know, if you think about the worst breakup you had in that moment, it probably felt like shit. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, for me, it did. <laughs> yeah, I think for every, I and, hope for everyone. But you look back and you're like, thank God. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think that is a real. It's all about the mindset. How do you fine tune your mindset on the day to day? I mean, you gotta just catch yourself from falling in these holes, man. It's so, and you can't surround yourself with negativity. Like right. that's the one, you know, it's funny. You had asked about how do you cut out like leeches or whatever. Like to me, the biggest thing you cut out is negativity. Right. You just don't, you want people who are willing to challenge you and push back and ask the hard questions, but they're like, it's not possible mentality. I just can't handle it. Right. I can't handle my personal like, you know, dating life. I can't handle my work life. I don't want people to tell you why it can't be done. Right. I mean, a joke. If someone wants to tell you, hey, you want to go to Mars, like tell me how to get there. Yeah. <laughs> tell me how much it's gonna cost. Right. It maybe it maybe stupid to spend time on it, but it's possible, right? If Elon right. Musk can figure it out, yeah. someone else can figure it out. Um, so I don't know. I think that's probably the most dangerous mentality is that defeatist negative energy and there's just too much of it these days how do you prepare for you know the the next chapter of your life there's a big event i won't speak too much on it but you have you know i'm so scared of growing becoming an adult dude <laughs> you, you don't feel like you're an adult no i'm still i'm still trying to learn adulting i'm trying to i'm learning what's what's the biggest non-adulting thing that you i, I it was so embarrassing at that dinner with with Martha Stewart. She asked me to come hang out there after, her, and she started showing me her like garden vegetables. And there was, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not real. I'm. You, no I don't, you don't want me. To, you don't want me to cook for you. Oh really? And she starts showing me this. Broccoli. She's like, "Look how big this is." And I go, "It says six pounds." I'm like, "Is that big for a broccoli?" <laughs> and so so I'm still learning like the basics. <laughs> um, we just we just bought a place and I, I'm still figuring out how to fix the air conditioning unit. Oh, like, good. I'm You're just, getting handy with it. I'm, get, I'm, I'm sure Erica I'm, loves that. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm learning the basic stuff, <laughs> you know, pulling. So yeah, we'll, uh, one step at a time, but it's, uh, it's scary how fast time flies. You might you realize I'm getting married next year. Yep. It's just a it, time flies. All of a sudden you are the adult that you think but, of your parents being, you know, <laughs> does it's, it scares you. In a good way, I think, and a bad way. I don't know. I mean, just the- <laughs> Find out, I guess. You'll find out. You know what it is? It's a unique, it's a weird mind trip, right? Where you grow up and you're 
the parents are always your parents' generation. Right. And then all of a sudden, you start having your friends <laughs> yeah. becoming parents, and now you realize, like, we are the parents' generation to a new... Yeah. Again, we're, we're, there's been thousands of generations before us that have thought the same thing yeah. and gone through the same mental exercise. I think, uh, look, it's just a, it's a moment in time where you start... I think the biggest change is your life purpose and goals start being about more than just you. Right. Right. And I think that was a the first shift in mindset, even as I started dating Erica and then we got engaged and you go to the next, I mean, it just, you start to do things together and you start to make decisions together for each other. And then, right. you know, if you look at my friends who've had kids, we haven't had kids yet, but it's just an even step further. And I think that seems to be this pattern of evolution. That <laughs> But it's exciting and beautiful. Yeah. And oh, I think totally the, the older you get to, the the more perspective you have on that. And I think the more... So you're a wiser, smarter guy than me. It takes, <laughs> took me, it takes taken me a lot longer to figure this out. Well, I think too, you, you know, the one thing that... I'm curious for you, speaking of generations real quick, is, and you know, one thing at a time. Yeah. But what kind of... What kind of father do you want to be you're you're taking me too far past because you said i no kids <laughs> yet so i i permitted myself to pose uh, the question <laughs> you're, you're a good podcast host i look i don't i i don't know yet right I and mean, we're gonna find out and i hope to be a really really good father and I'm i hope sure to be will. able to to give opportunity and create you know opportunity for you know, our kids one day to do amazing things i also think you know, we're on the verge of a pretty fundamental change in the world and mm -hmm. as a species. And, you know, I'm a total science and tech nerd. So you, <laughs> you got me here. Like, you know, I think, I don't think we're that far off from understanding biology in a way that could fundamentally change mm. aging yeah. and, and the way we think about disease and what happens when, if we're lucky enough, we may not, we may be able just in time to not really grow old in the biological sense. Do you know David Sinclair? <laughs> yes. I had him on my show. Um, I went to uh, actually to his office at Harvard three years ago. Okay. And so, well, for people who are not familiar, he's, his kind of thesis is that aging is a disease See? Yep. and it's reversible. So hopefully you and I get a little bit of that cocktail. I don't know if you know and I'm about taking that. all of David's recommendations oh, really? already. So I'm, I'm, I'm oh, I don't really? know if it's helping yet, <laughs> but well, there's I such mean, you, you're you're young. I'm trying to but, keep, you know. The wait, skin. so you take you you take all? It's like the what? It's like NAD plus something. And man, I'm trying. Listen, I, is, to, to me, there's we're just at the cutting. End. I don't think any of this is the real long term answer okay. yet. But I don't think it's crazy that we're I, okay. I was lucky enough last week. I got invited to a breakfast with President Herzog of Israel. Okay, and it was a small group, and sitting next to me was the CEO of Pfizer, um, okay. Albert Bruhoff. And I'm sitting there asking him, I was like, what is the most, first I said, thank you for some pretty amazing stuff you guys have built, but you know, what is the most interesting new thing you guys are working on? Right. And he was telling me about these new antibodies that they've created that can keep chemo encapsulated inside the antibody, targeted to only attach itself to the specific type of cancerous cell and release the chemo only into the cancerous cells. Wow. So imagine- So it doesn't, the rest of your body- The rest is of not, your body is not impacted. Wow. By it. Now imagine wow. being able to do hyper-targeted, 
And by the way, I'm sure there's going to be a better version. Chemo's still poison. Yeah, we'll find yeah. a better way to do it than that very soon after. And it could be just rewriting the the actual genetics in those cells. But think about how big of an impact that's going to have if in the next five, 10 years, I mean, he said they already have a few of these ready to go in market. And at that point, it's just replicating it across the different types of cancer cells and, and remaking the antibodies to latch onto those cells. I mean, think about what happens, just something that straightforward. In the next five, 10 years, we will eliminate cancer. That's a that's a powerful change yeah, yeah. in society, yeah. right? And by the way, we look back at you know a hundred years ago, people could die of ear infections, <laughs> right? And we we think that's crazy. Or today. stomach problems. Yeah, and you know what? Like people back in the day used to let their blood because they thought that was going to. Today we know that's not only crazy, yeah. but we have way better ways of treating infection. And so, just imagine in twenty years. We might be in the perfect era. I, I hope so. I hope I'm not 10 years too early. <laughs> but I think there's some really exciting changes happening. And look, they're scary too for some folks, but I think technology will always have some negative sides. But the amount of good and awesome stuff you can create is really exciting. To wrap things up, because we got to get you back to <laughs> yes. work. Do you think about legacy often? And because I think that what you on a on a personal and professional level are doing is really the work you do is not is not just for yourself. It's really to to improve other people's lives. And I'm curious, you know, as a as both an entrepreneur and as a person, what you hope when it's all said and done with all these NAD yeah, and yeah. new and hopefully in a hundred years. Yeah, maybe you don't need to worry about legacy. If yeah, it's true. If you just fucking live years. forever, <laughs> you just got to figure out how to keep yourself busy and yeah. not be bored, you know, <laughs> but there is uh, I mean, look, I think everyone, yes, is a short answer, but I think what excites me the most is just, can I constantly get myself into experiences where you're in totally uncharted territory and learning entirely new things? I mean, there is, it's, it's exciting to think that we are in that generation where, like if our parents kind of came up at the beginning of the internet being a thing, right. like I can't imagine a world without internet, Yeah, right? Yeah. I get frustrated when the airplane Wi-Fi goes yeah, off, you know? Terrible, that's a it's big thing we should be so fixing It's so infuriating. <laughs> we'll fix that next. Yeah. But, like, but you go back to the stuff that we're about to be a part of. Right. I, I mean, that's that uncharted territory and the ability to be in those rooms and learn and mm -hmm. be a part of it, I mean, that's what really drives me. And sometimes I think even by the way, like you solve big problems for real people, you build enough credibility right. to be invited in those rooms to participate in that next mm -hmm. uncharted territory. I think that probably drives me more than you know having a story written about you. <laughs> well, I wanna thank you for, for taking the time, man. Um, Thanks for having me, It's man. cool to, uh, to spend a little bit of time and we, well, I'm sure we'll have a couple double dates lined up yeah. in, in the near future when, when we're back from our, our travels. But I really want to thank you. I think also just on a personal level, like I think that listening to you both now and, and in interviews, one of the main things that I really look up to you in a sense is how you're able to do what you're doing, but with kind of this, uh, you know, smile and genuine curiosity and excitement about what you do. And I think that, you know, I'm sure for the people that work with you, that radiates into, onto them. And I think for the people that 
like myself today that are able to listen to you and, and hear your experiences and how you work, that's extremely inspiring. So I want to thank you for for both of that. Dude, man. Thank you for having me, man. I, it's so cool to see what you've done. I can't wait for your new app to launch. Yeah. I, can't, I uh, can't wait to play with all this stuff. I mean, it's so, the most exciting, fun thing yeah. in all of this is getting to succeed with your friends. 100%. And so, you know, I, I love it. I love watching you win. I love this podcast winning. I love seeing you date one of our good yeah. friends. It's just <laughs> the whole world coming together in a fun way. I know. Well, I appreciate uh, you, man. Thanks again.